Eurovision fam, Eurovision fam, it feels so great to be back. I took a little break, I guess, not really that long of a break, but I took a mild break because, I mean, last week was sort of crazy. I was asked to be on the BBC's official Eurovision podcast, so I was like, well, I guess I can take a break from my piddly old Eurovision for real podcast to, you know, hop on the official one. And then we got so many songs. My reaction to all of the songs is out. I also felt like I needed to do like a little update to my top 10 because I did my top 10, I think the beginning of March or like the end of February, something like that. And we didn't even have all of the songs. And I always like doing a top 10 before we get all the songs, because really it gives me an opportunity to maybe talk about some songs that could potentially fade away as we get some other heavy hitters. But I love doing a top 10 ranking because ultimately I sort of feel like even though, you know, I've been an American Eurovision fan for so long, you know, and I love watching the show and really it's just interesting and fun to see what ends up kind of happening. And of course, I love having fun with predictions and stuff like that. You know, ultimately I'm watching the show thinking that all of these Europeans tuning in and all of these juries, you know, are going to be able to rank their favorites. And so, you know, I'm like, if I'm expecting them to do it, then I guess I have to be able and willing to do it myself. So I did sort of, I, I haven't always done top tens. That's the funny thing. Like I haven't always done that. But everyone loves it, and it is a lot of fun, and it is kind of a nice exercise, especially when you have songs that are all these different genres and stuff, all of these different genres, to actually sit down and go, okay, what do I really like more than the other one? And it's not so much about throwing shade at songs that you don't like. It's just saying, okay, this one maybe I listen to more than this one. Oh, this one might be doing something a little bit more ambitious on the stage. I don't know. It's a lot of factors that go into it. And I'm so excited to not be alone today. And I am joined all the way from the DR. It's Augusto joining me to talk about this very fun subject. Augusto, how are you feeling today? I'm doing amazing, Alicia. Hi to everyone of the Eurovision fam. Thank you for coming in and join us today. Okay, well, before we get into that, I mean, you're calling me all the way from the Dominican Republic. How did you even get into Eurovision in the first place? My story is very um, interesting because back in 2005, the day of the Eurovision final, I was just chilling at home, Saturday afternoon, sapping channels on my TV. I pop up on Televisión Española on their international signal, and they were playing Eurovision Live from Ukraine back in 2005. And by the time I was watching the 2005 voting segment, and I was intrigued by, the, by what I was watching at the time, and the next day, I just looked up on Google Eurovision, started deep diving a little bit, and then I started watching every final since the following year. So I have not missed a single final since 2006. I love it. You have been long in these Eurovision streets. I mean, there are some European Eurovision fans who probably haven't been deep in the fandom as long as you. That's the crazy thing. Yes, it's very likely. It's very likely. <laughs> well, okay. So today we're going to be talking about top 10. So I did release my video for my top 10. And I guess I will bring it to folks. If you haven't already checked out the video, you can go to youtube.com backslash Alicia Michelle. I've got my top 10 there. And I, I guess I will run down. So in first position, I've got Spain. Second position, Sweden. Third position, Czechia, a.k.a. the Czech Republic. Fourth position, I've got Serbia. Fifth, Armenia. Sixth, Georgia. Seventh, Finland. Eighth, Slovenia. Ninth position, Austria. And tenth position, Ukraine. And I will say, I filmed this video, and it was like, as I was even filming it, I was like, oh, no. 
Oh no, because I will say there's like 14 songs at Eurovision I'm in love with. Like 14 songs that I'm just like, I love this song. I love this song. So I felt really bummed that some of my songs got left on the table. And a lot of people don't know. So if you're tuning into the podcast, I'm going to tell you the songs that got left on the table. I left Portugal on the table. And that one, I think for me, is probably like my 11th. Like it is just waiting there. And I'm not going to lie. I think once the rehearsals start, once I see the live performances, Portugal will be in my top 10. Because I actually do feel like Portugal is going to be top 10 this year. And I feel like, and maybe I shouldn't say I think it is going to be. I feel like it's going to be top 10 worthy once we show up in Liverpool. And I think that Mimi Cat is going to be edging out some of these girls that just, you know, nothing wrong with them, but I just think she's maybe a little bit more seasoned, maybe a little bit more more proficient of a live vocalist, and she will edge edge out some of the girls that maybe just need a little bit more practice. Iceland, I just love that song. I know it's probably not coming top 10, but I I love the track. And Denmark's song I really love, Australia's song I love, but I would say officially left on the table for me was France and then Australia. Those are the two that I would say officially. So of the 14 songs that I love, Australia, France, Iceland, and Portugal were the four that I left on the table. And I, I think I was feeling more pained about leaving France and Portugal. But again, I was like, if I have to commit, I'm going to commit. And this is not my final locked in top 10. My final locked in top 10 is going to come at the end of April. And I feel very comfortable with that. But okay, so I just broke down my top 10. But Augusto, I, I'm sure you probably saw the video. What did you think of my ranking? And feel free to call me out. It's totally fine to call me out. So I did watch the three-part video on TikTok and I watched the entire clip on YouTube. I did. Um, some I appreciate the dedication. I am so <laughs> grateful for the for the dedication of the three-part on, on TikTok. Some people were acting as if it was like, how dare you drag this out five minutes? It wasn't even five minutes long, okay? Yeah, it's not that long. Um, I do have some of the songs of your top 10 and the ones that left out, that I left out. And I will name two primarily, um, Georgia and Serbia. Okay, so you're not, you're not feeling at least top 10 right now. You're not feeling Georgia and Serbia at the moment. Not at the moment. Um, among the other countries that I have right there near my top 10, I have Italy. And, I mean, and I'm seeing them in no, in no particular order. Italy, Norway, France, Israel, Australia. Those, those six. Again, those, those couple with Serbia and Georgia. Those are edging right there close to top 10, but I'm still not fully convinced about them. So that's the panorama so far. But we do share our top two. We do. Well, you know, it's interesting because I want to sort of break down the process of making a top 10. And so I will share my process and I want you to share yours too, Augusto. Sure. So I will say for me, I do start from the top. I go, who would I really, really want to see win? And 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 I would say, and I look holistic, full package. So I'm like, who do I really, really want to see win? So I'm breaking down what country I, I think could really put on a good show. I'm breaking down the, the, the song itself. I'm asking myself, is the song transportive? Is the song interesting? Is the song giving me something that I haven't heard before? Is the song, you know, uh, sort of arranged and structured for the vocalist to shine? Like, are we getting like a vocal moment? Is the vocal actually being executed well? Then I think about for at least the songs that come through national selections, okay, what was that live performance like? Was there room for improvement? Was there, you know, um, styling that felt really good? You know, I break down that. 
And then I do sort of have this holistic bucket that I look at where I do sort of think of, okay, the contest itself, what story, what narrative is the Eurovision Song Contest trying to tell us now? You know, I think last year that holistic view could have been, okay, 2022, there is a war in Ukraine. There is all of this situation happening, but also thinking about Ukraine always shows up. I mean, my most played song from Eurovision 2021 was Ukraine. So it's like, okay, Ukraine is always showing up, you know, this holistic narrative. So for me, I think this year when it came down to picking between, you know, sort of, I would say the top five songs that I really wouldn't mind seeing win and, and figuring out how to kind of stack those, I was left with Spain number one. To me, the performance at Benidorm, perfection. Vocally perfect, perfect, perfect. It was visually perfect. The styling was perfect. And then if I want to get holistic, I love the fact that Spain has turned it around. They've given us two amazing national selections these past years, and it has been a very long time since Spain has won the contest. So even thinking holistically, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give that edge to Spain, even though I'm loving what Sweden's doing. We know Sweden would put on a great contest. I'm a huge Lorien fan. I would love to see her win again. So that's sort of, I think, the things that I consider when I'm kind of formulating my ranking. And I would also say, I do sometimes categorize by genre a little bit. Like if I feel like I'm hitting a wall and I'm just like, okay, how do I edge out and really figure out the best? I might break it down and say like, okay, well, what's the best rock song? What's the best duet? What's the best pop song? What am I listening to the most? And kind of use that a little bit as a rubric and guide for me. Augusto, how do you break down your top 10? So um, in for me, I do kind of depend on the mood of what I'm into for the year. Um, but I do also at the same time try to make a very holistic approach and see if the package convinces me enough to fall for it or if the song really struck support in me and makes me fall in love for it, it's likely going to be on my top 10. So this year we have a very mixed group of songs and contestants, a lot of bands, a good couple, uh, a couple duos, and the rest are soloists. So when it comes to Spain and Sweden, I wholeheartedly agree on most things you stated. Spain is hypnotizing. What Blanca did in Benidorm was hypnotizing. I was like, whoa. She really did that. And, and when it comes to Lorene, she is the queen. She is an icon. She is a legend. She has been the moment for 10 years in this fandom. I have continued to follow her career since 2012. Honestly, she has better material than Tattoo in her repertoire. However, Tattoo is amazing for 2023, is amazing for her, and honestly, she's going to be giving us a great comeback to the big stage. She will not disappoint, and we're guaranteed that if Sweden wins in 2023, we cannot be mad at it because they did, they picked an excellent package meal. Great song, great performer, great stage presentation. You cannot beat that. You can fight you can fight it, but you cannot beat it. So Spain and Sweden are the most outstanding overall packages of the 37 songs of 2023 for you. Well, obviously, I mean, I agree with you. But, you know, one thing that's been kind of blowing my mind this year is when you look at the betting odds right now. So when you look at the betting odds, I'm going to 
say so. It is March 22nd, and I'm tuning into the odds. And the odds right now have Spain in sixth position, and really they have a battle between. So in the first position in the betting odds, it's Sweden. Second position is Finland. Third is Ukraine. Fourth is Norway. Fifth, we have Israel. And then sixth is Spain. Now I'm going to tell y'all right now. No shade to Alessandra or Noah. I just, because I do believe in like apples and oranges. And I think it is difficult to compare, you know, Sweden to Karia or Ukraine. But I do think if we're talking about like Blanca, although yes, this is an ethnic piece, I do feel like there is an element of this that is still pop. I, I'm giving it to Blanca that this is this is something that is still pop and I think something that could be accessible for folks. It is difficult for me to see Norway and Israel above what Spain is doing. Personally, when I think of the performances, because and I and I'll explain why. Israel, we don't even have a live performance yet. And even when you look at a lot of Noah Carell's uh, live performances, she's lip syncing. That is not something that she's going to be able to do once she gets on the stage in Liverpool. With Norway's performance, Alessandra's vocal is great. She is giving us a vocal moment. The song is interesting. But when I look at that staging package from the national selection, Blanca's is stronger. I think Alessandra needs different styling. Also, if we look at that staging that Norway sort of put together, you know, there wasn't really anything inventive. There wasn't really a whole lot going on, whereas Blanca is giving us a whole immersive stage show experience that is not only showing sort of the culture of Spain, uh, but also just giving us something really dynamic and, and telling the story of the song in a really inventive way. So to me, I just feel like Spain being six in the betting odds feels really weird. Um, and, and I will say this. Finland, I just think is a completely different kind of set. It's hard to compare, you know, and so some people might be listening and saying, well, how can you compare what Finland is doing kind of up against Lorien and, and even what Blanca Paloma is doing? And I think that's one of the challenging things about Eurovision is you aren't making apples to apples comparisons. <laughs> like we really are comparing apples to oranges. And, you know, some days I'm in the mood for an apple. You know, I want my Lorien tattoo pop perfection track. And other days, you know what? I want a kumquat. I want what Ukraine is giving me. I want the tangy. I want the sweet. <laughs> so, Augusto, when you're breaking down your rankings, how do you kind of differentiate between the genres? I do my best to differentiate as many gen genres as possible. Um, I try to make it varied. Um, I'm an easy follower of boppy, boppy pop music. Um, I love a girl moment. I love a really good diva moment. But sometimes I do have a soft spot for a good old sweet ballad like the ones that Italy knows how to provide with excellence and expertise. Um, maybe some country music from the Netherlands, which has been one of the recent expertises that's been their niche in the past. Um, if there's a band that shows up and gives me a really good moment and the song struck the chord with me it could be there too so I do try to find balance of what they have and what I ended up loving and falling for and ends up on loop on my playlist so I do have two duos on my top 10 this year um, I have no, I have three duos on my top 10. If not mistaken, one band, and the rest are soloists. So I do have a little bit of everything. And the ethnic songs in the packaging or the song itself really stand out. You know, I also tend to put them high up in my personal ranking for the year. So it, it varies. 
varies on what's up there, how I feel, and how much the song convinces me, for sure. Gotcha. Now, I have to ask, okay, so when you look at your personal top 10 and compare it to what you feel like the fandom is there, do you feel like you're a pioneer or do you feel like, no, what I got is kind of in alignment with everyone else? On, on a plurality, I'm, in, I'm not much of, a, of an innovator. I'm much in between what the fandom is looking for. Now that I'm double checking in, um, I'm pretty much around there with the fandom. Um, most of the songs that I have on my top 10 are amongst those that the fandom really likes, except for at least two that are not, that I have in my top 10, but the fandom is not, it's hating a little bit more than okay, so most. I gotta ask, where do you think you are a pioneer? What country this year do you feel like, okay, I might be a little bit of a pioneer here? This might be an unpopular opinion for most of the fandom, but in my case, my pioneer song is The Netherlands. Okay. Well, so what about The Netherlands is really grabbing you this year? So I have The Netherlands as fourth overall for 2023. I do like a good love duo nostalgic mellow pop song and honestly this song screams who is behind it we all know who it is this screams duncan all over the place i do like his i do like his music yeah the voices are very well blended the melody caught me the music video is really cute. What I'm missing is a live performance, but the vocal seems to be there. So yeah, my Pioneer song is The Netherlands. Well, I'm not going to lie. I think of the songs that I think some of the fandom is discounting this year, because I, I will say, I didn't think this coming into the season, but as the national selections have revealed to me, I think a lot of the televote is looking for fun. They're looking yes. for escapism. I think we thought last year the televote might be seeking that, but I think the televote was still sort of digging their heels in post 2021 into like, we want ethnic, we want authentic. But this year, looking at the televote, just the way that they've shown up in a lot of the national selections, it's fun. I think there's still a little bit of that ethnic there, but I do think it's fun. And definitely within the Eurovision fan of Bubble, it is fun. I think we're seeing a lot of people who are loving what Israel's doing, loving what the UK is doing. And I would argue four years ago, if the UK or Israel just sent like kind of these fun bops without a ton of depth, you know, I think that folks would be penalizing them for it a little bit. They would be like, where is our ballad? Where is our singer-songwriter sort of moment? Uh, but this year, I think everyone just is like, no, this thing is going down in May, and I want the song that I'm going to be bumping throughout the summer. But I will say, I agree with you on the Netherlands piece because I really like what the Netherlands is giving. And there are still a lot of people who are sort of thinking the Netherlands might not even qualify. And I'm, I'm not there. I just want to be very clear. I am not in that place. And actually, this is interesting because I was on the BBC Eurovision cast uh, podcast, which I felt so privileged even just to be asked um, to be featured there. So I was happy that, one, it worked with my schedule and that I was able to participate but there was one question that came around and it sort of was just like, do you think that the big five is going to get Neil Pont? Like, is anyone going to have like zero from a bucket this year? And I think they sort of listened to my answer, but then, you know, maybe added a little bit of sauce on it because I said, I was like, I, cause I started off with, no, I think the big five is really hitting it this year. I think they're coming through but I, if I'm worried about any big five country, 
uh, this year when it comes down to points allocation at the grand final in Liverpool, I was like, I feel like I'm most worried for Italy because I do think everyone's looking for fun and they're looking for something light. That's just the sense I'm getting. And Italy is obviously not getting us getting us that. So I was like, if I'm going to be worried for anyone, I'm going to be worried for Italy. But again, Marco is such a known singer. I'm not really worried for that. But if I had to light a candle, I'd be lighting it for Italy. What do you think, Augusto? I'm on that same boat when it comes to the big five. I do think that Italy is the one who might not be on everyone's radar when it comes to voting. Um, but Italy is bringing what Italy does best, which is a good old Canzione Italiana, a good old ballad. That's their forte, that's their niche, that's their thing, that's the type of genre that they dominate best. Marco is a great vocalist. The man can sing for ages and has the voice of an angel. He, in that, and compared to 2013 to now, Marco is also giving us transformation and evolution because he he's giving, I'm liberated, I'm more of myself, I'm not so structured, uh, such a structured singer anymore. I'm still singing a cute little ballad, but I'm going, but I'm doing things a little bit more my way. Um, who else may word me out of the big five? Spain will do great with the juries, but the televoters frighten me a little bit. Well, I see, I'm not worried for the televoters because to me, I'm like, if televoters could appreciate Go Away, oh, I God. just feel like I just feel like the trends of the televote actually tell me that Blanca might not do as poorly as perhaps we fear that she will. Yes. Um, thank you for that. I agree on that part too, but I still have a little bit of fear in me because televoters have usually mistreated Spain until Chanel um, last year. So I do have a little bit of worry that people may not get it, but I think overall the Spanish concept is still quite accessible. And like you mentioned, if Goe pulled it off in the televote, so can Spain. So I should worry not as much. Um, I'm also a little afraid for France and Germany. And this is because France did amazing in 2021. They did terribly on both ends last year. Um, and although Evita Mon is a very French song, I don't know if they will be able to pull it off and then, based on current trends, I still do have a fear for Germany because even though they're giving us a very, a very rock and very fun song, the recent additions and how the televoters have treated Germany in the past spark a little bit of worry in myself that the trend might continue or it might slightly improve where they can scratch a few points. Because I do think the German package is good, but there are better packages available this year. So see, I think I agree with you on the concern for France. But I will say there are some people who have France as their winner. So that makes me go, okay, if there are some people who've got France as their winner, they're going to get something. They're going to get something. And I do actually feel like what France is giving isn't going to be ignored by juries. Germany, I actually think I'm just not worried about them. And the main reason why I'm not worried about Germany is I think they're actually serving what so many people have been wanting to see Germany serve. I also think that they're hitting a really strong niche audience that's honestly going to love them. And I, and I think the, the closest comparison you could probably make potentially at the grand final will be between, I think, Australia and Germany. And I think even still, the people who are going to like Australia, you're not really picking some of the folks. I think that Germany's is almost so specific 
that the people who love that are going to pick up the phone, dial in and call for that. So I'm, I do think there's fair criticism to be have or, or not even criticism. There's fair, uh, fair, it's fair to be kind of concerned. So uh, not criticism, the, the C word I was looking for was concern. I think there's fair space to be concerned about both France and Germany, given their track records. But I think both countries are giving the people who had criticism what they wanted to see out of those countries. So I think I'm still not worried. I really do think the Big Five is in a great place this year. I think everyone's sort of hitting the niches that they need to hit. I am far more concerned with some of the other countries we've got that maybe have kind of, and I think that's the thing I find challenging about this year. There are some countries that I think have been perpetually struggling at Eurovision lately. And and so those countries, I would say, is Latvia, Ireland has been having kind of, I'd say, recent struggles, uh, San Marino, uh, Iceland, I might put in the bucket only because I think Iceland qualified with the jury last year, but they didn't qualify with the televote, maybe. Um, and even though Romania qualified last year, we know that they didn't qualify this year. Do we think for some of the countries that have been sort of struggling for years uh, in the contest, do you think this year maybe they'll get some reprieve? It's a hard question to answer, honestly, um, because out of that bunch, San Marino is lost in translation. Although they nailed the performance last year, they had a great package, but in the end they were ignored um, by Europe and they didn't qualify. Um, this year, it's very bland. It's very in the middle of the road. They're out. Another country that you do see out of the equation and has been struggling a lot, sadly, is Ireland because that package is also very unconvincing. I really want Ireland to pull it off again because they really did qualify in 2018 with a beautiful ballad, with a great breakup song. And honestly, they should really turn back to that. 2018, Ireland nailed it to perfection. I watch that performance and I start sobbing because it was beautiful. It's it's beautiful. Ireland 2018, I love you forever. So, but for 2023, they're out. Um, Cyprus that have, that really did peak in 2018 have straw and did struggle a little bit the last couple of editions. I see them out of the picture too. I'm not convinced by the, by the package overall. I'm not convinced. Andrew can sing beautiful voice, but the song, I don't know. Very middle of the road. Similar issue with Greece, who did amazing the last couple of years. I had Greece in my top 10 last year, incredibly this year. I'm sorry. I have a little bit of fear of Portugal because 2019 comes back to buy. And although I put us out is a great package, the vocal is per the vocal is there, the staging is there, the performance will be there. Talibot only in a semifinal, where if I'm not mistaken, their neighbor Spain is not voting, they will struggle. Um, they'll struggle a little bit, but I hope they do qualify. And another country that has struggled a little bit recently has been Azerbaijan. Like I said on Twitter, like I said on Twitter, very authentic to the performers, very British, very cute. Still middle of the road, middle of the road for me, but overall cute. In a tell in a televote only semifinal, this will struggle for sure. In my opinion. 
So in Iceland, I share your fears. About yeah, I, I think with Iceland, I think Iceland might just miss out. That's yes. the sense that I'm getting with Iceland. I think that they're going to just miss out. Uh, but I will say, you know, I no one's clocking for it. But I think that this year might surprisingly offer some reprieve to Latvia. Because this is the thing. I don't know anyone who hates that song. Not one person. I don't know one person who hates it. And so, so with that said, I'm kind of like, all right. We're all fearing for it, I think, based off the fact that you know, Latvia's recent track record hasn't been great. I don't think that the staging they had at the national selection was the right package for this. However, if they just figure out some way to lighten up the staging, to maybe do something a la what they've done in the music video, I think Latvia is in. I really, really do. Now, if we get some pictures from the rehearsals that they're doing the exact same thing that they were doing at the national selection, they're done. They're absolutely done. We also, are, I should say, are recording this before getting the running order. Yes. So I think there's also something to be said for what happens in the running order. Uh, but I, I, I think that this could be a year of salvation for Latvia, but I will say I am concerned for Romania. I'm concerned for San Marino. I don't, I just, I don't think San Marino is advancing this year. Cause to me, I, I just have to say if Achille Laro couldn't qualify last year for San Marino, this ain't going to get it done. Oh, it no. just, it ain't going to get it done. And no. because I, I loved last year and I actually thought that San Marino was going to come through. They did not. Um, they did not. I, I think, um, I don't know if Poland's got Poland. I don't think is going to make it through this year. Um, I think we could have been having a totally different conversation about Poland had they sent, uh, Jan with the song gladiator. Uh, but I, 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 I don't know. And, and Denmark didn't qualify last year, but I think that they are going to make it this year. You know, out of the countries that have struggled in recent years, we have forgotten Slovenia. Slovenia, this is their year. Oh, yeah. The song is Oh, yeah. In. Oh, yeah. No, Slovenia is in. I, I expect Slovenia. I Yes, I have it in my top 10, but I am feeling like it might end up being top 10. Me too. I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking so. But, yeah, that was our breakdown. But before you leave Augusto... Can you share with the folks your final ranking? Well, this is not your final, but your ranking as of now. Yes. So my top 10 is, 10th um, is Lithuania. 9th is Ukraine. 8th is Czechia. 7th is Austria. 6th, the United Kingdom. 5th, Slovenia. 4th, the Netherlands, like I mentioned. And my top three are Finland in third, Sweden second, and Spain first. You know, I don't hate it. I think it's a great ranking. Thank you so much, Augusto, for joining me today. And everyone- You're more than welcome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, everyone needs to keep it locked here because we were talking about Slovenia and I've got an interview with Joker out coming up right after this short break. Today's episode of the Eurovision for Real podcast was previously recorded for video, so you can watch at youtube.com backslash Alicia Michelle or sit back and listen to the show. It's a battle of the bands at Eurovision 2023, and we have basically the first band that we got. <laughs> Joker out from Slovenia. Oh my goodness. How are you all feeling today? It's spectacular. It's, yeah, it's really phenomenal. It's a, it's a nice sunny day here in Slovenia, so we're kind of in a good mood. 
Yeah. Well, I'm happy for you all that it's a nice sunny day because it is not here. It is very, very gloomy. But, you know, my day is going to be brighter because I get to talk to y'all. So y'all were like one of the first acts that we had announced for Eurovision. Can you tell me a little bit about the process? Did they did the broadcaster come up to you all? Did you all say, hey, we think we might like to do this Eurovision thing? What was the process like for even being selected? Well, when you're a small country, everything is a good PR. So we decided to go out first. Oh, one, of, <laughs> one of the first. So we get some free PR on that. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, this year, we wanted to apply to the EMA contest. So the national selection. So the next national selection. Uh, but when we wanted to apply, they told us that they're not uh, going to do it at all. And they're going internal. And that if we would like to go, they would like us to go. And we... It was an offer we could not refuse. So it was kind of both of what you said. Yeah. We wanted to go and they wanted us to go. It was a match made in heaven. Yeah. And all of this happened in, at the end of November. Yeah. Well, one, that's amazing because, I mean, honestly, EMA, I actually liked that national selection. But, you know, there's always the challenge of if a country that has, like, a semi-popular national selection, the fear is, well, if they go internal, will it work out? And luckily, I think in this situation, it definitely worked out so when you were doing this song were you doing the song with Eurovision in mind or was this just a track that you were thinking about being like on your album um well we didn't think of doing it for Eurovision at all we had a demo which we really liked it was a song that's a hundred percent joker out we call it shagadelic rock and roll um and when when they um picked us to go we were like yeah this song is perfect for Eurovision even though it's completely our song and we went uh, Two weeks after that, we went to Hamburg to a studio to record it. Um, and it, it really is just like what you would hear from us. Um, it, it wasn't planned for any of our previous albums. Um, it's This is going to be really a standalone single, probably. Yeah, but it could fit very well. Yeah, it, it still really does have the sound of our the second album, which was released in September of 2022. Yeah, it's definitely going to be on our Greatest Hits compilation. <laughs> at least coming out next year. Yeah. <laughs> All-time greatest. All-time greatest. <laughs> well, I have to ask, because when I hear the phrase Joker out, I think about playing cards. That's the first thing that comes to mind. So the name Joker out, why? You're thinking too too much. <laughs> <laughs> it really, yeah. there, there was not a single smart thought behind this name, if we're honest. Um, so it, it really means nothing. Um, we were just throwing out random names, like even worse than Joker out into our <laughs> Facebook group chant when the band formed and somehow Joker out stuck. The only really the only real criterion was that when a famous TV host from here, Slovenia, um, would say it, it should sound good. <laughs> well, I, I like the name Joker out. I think it fits. Now, I want to take it back a little bit. Because I'm sure for each of you, you have different sort of backgrounds when it comes to, you know, music. Can you remember the first time you ever performed in front of an audience? Now, that could have been a living room. It could have been a school talent show. It could have been, you know, a party in the park. But can you remember the first ever time that you performed? Not as a group, just yourselves individually. Well, for me, it was actually um, on my street where I live. Because every year we closed down the street and had this kind of a picnic. Everyone gathered around. Um, because our the guy who lives next door from me is a musician and he always brought his band and they played the whole day. So the first time I ever played for an audience was there. And it actually happened with a little group that later on became the band which collided with their band and we became Joker Out. Uh, my first performance was actually with your band in front of our uh, primary school, you remember? Because um, his band inspired me to pick up guitar and then they invited me to, at the end of like ninth grade, which is the last grade in our primary school, um, we played together a couple of songs. I think it was like, wow. don't you remember? We played like, um, it's not about the money, money. I, yeah, uh, yeah, price tag. <laughs> yeah, price tag. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. What about you guys? My first gig was also in primary school, yeah. uh, but it was just a small thing with a like our school band, you know, just a couple of guys yeah, playing. I was playing in well, I was studying in studying. <laughs> I, I was in music school. Uh, I started when I was five or six years, uh, so this was my first gig. 
Ah, at the end of the year. In the yeah. end of the year in music school. So I think I was six years old. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that my first gig was with you when we, uh, me and Chris had our own band before Joker Out. But my sister told me uh, last week that when I was about two or three years old, <laughs> I gathered my whole family and gave them some instruments. And then we, we, we had a band and a performance. And I, 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 think, I, I think I was the singer. You were the singer. I think I was the singer, yeah. Or the drummer. I mean. Well, I mean, I hope that you all had standing ovations at your first performance because now you're formed together. Now I'm going to keep it a little bit back. You know, I'm an American, so it's not like I've had Eurovision in my life, my whole life to a certain degree. Uh, but can you all remember your first Eurovision memory? Uh, yeah, I think we kind of agreed on that our first collective Eurovision memory was of 2004 when Wild Dance was won uh, by Ruslana. And then after that, Lordy came the next year, which was a really big thing for uh, people who like rock music in general, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, talking about music that's stuck in your head, and I will also say I've had a couple of other people say that like their first Eurovision memory was Ruslana. So clearly a very key year and key memory for a lot of the folks participating at Eurovision this year. But outside of Eurovision, what song is currently stuck in your head? So it doesn't have to be a Eurovision song. Just what song do you have floating around in your head other than, you know, one of your own songs? Oh, okay. Interesting. Oh. I have, can I say because I have it, I have a song called Ciao Ciao by an Italian group, La Representante di Lista. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I think because it's really hard to have a song which is not Eurovision stuck in your head right now because <laughs> all we do is listen to Eurovision songs probably because we listen to all of the competition. <laughs> but I would say the one that was stuck in my head for the, couple of, the past couple of months was Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Oh, yeah. There actually is a song that's, that has been stuck in my head for the past two weeks. It's uh, Backseat Lover by Mayor Hawthorne. Does anyone <laughs> yeah, know that? I, I don't think, think I know it's, that. It's, a, it's like a pop 70s inspired soul, but in, in a modern way. Yeah. Really cool song. Wow. Uh, I don't have any songs stuck yeah, in my head, but I listen to, to a lot of Portugal demand lately. Oh. <laughs> I also don't have a song in my mind. So He's a drummer. Or a mind. <laughs> so it's just, it's just beats. It's just beats in your head. Well, you mentioned that you've listened to some of the Eurovision songs. And I mean, I've got kind of a signature question. You know, you all have a very unique sound, I would say. And so let's say you didn't have Carpe Diem. And you had the opportunity to steal a song from someone else at Eurovision 2023. And put, of course the Joker out, stamp, and spin on it, whose song would you want to grab? Oh, which one? Okay, in this, in this case, I would go for Lazara or Marco Mengoni. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. choose Lazara also. Lazara, yeah. Lazara. I think we would do Evidema. Uh, we would do yeah, Lazara would be great. <laughs> or maybe we could steal Austria's entry and title it, uh, Who the Hell is Joker Out? <laughs> <laughs> No, I love it. I love it. Now, I, I, of course, I decided I was going to look a little bit colorful today because I feel like, you know, for you all, the fashion is slightly important and intentional. So when you're thinking about your clothes and how you wanted to present yourself, you know, to the world, like, what are your inspiration points and how do you put together your looks? Wow, our outfits for today must be a very big disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, the, the last couple of months we've been working with a stylist um his name is ponorelli he works with us for, for all the big performances like the the one we had on the national television and also uh, on eurovision um but i don't know what what are our inspirations really we like we're, we're quite nostalgic i would say nudist beaches <laughs> <laughs> no i think i think that people on the internet really got the vibe of where we went with our clothes which is like a 60s, 70s, but still combined with modern day era. Yeah. You know, it's, it doesn't feel like it's old school or vintage. Um, so I, I guess that we've, sorry, we've had this comment for our music also that it sounds old and modern at the same time. So if we 
capture the same vibe with our clothes, uh, I think that's a good success. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, I got to ask, and this is like kind of a random question, you know, what's a language that maybe you don't speak, but you just love the sound of and maybe want to learn? Portuguese, I suppose. Huh. Mm. French. Yeah, French. Yeah. I would go for, for Japanese. Okay. I think so. France is currently in the lead, but you're not the only person to mention Japanese. The folks at uh, Tvorchi, Ukraine's <laughs> representative, uh, mentioned Japanese. I do believe. I do believe that they mentioned that. Okay. So, I mean, y'all are kind of like a big deal you know, in Slovenia. So what does it mean to like come to Eurovision for you all? Cause I mean, y'all are kind of a big deal. Ah, you know, you're a big <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, Slovenia is a very small country. So um, any recognition or fame or success comes in a very limited, I would say uh, package. If someone from the UK or USA would look upon it. Um, it's quite, to like internationalize yourself out of Slovenia is really humbling. It me personally it really makes you feel small. Mm -hmm. um, so I, maybe it will be a good check on our egos. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's really fantastic to see that in here we have a concert planned for October, which is already almost sold out, and it's in the largest arena in the country. But here you come to this like territory where literally no one knows who you are before you before all of this started and. We have so many more people to meet and impress impress and it's going to be a great journey yeah well what do you think about the fact because this year is going to be the first year that people outside of europe are and outside of participating countries are going to be able to make their voices heard and vote at the eurovision song contest what do you think of that it's going to be challenging probably i mean the fact that there are no ju juries um makes it a lot more different and i guess scary for us, which, I mean, we're a really small country and I would say that we're also in the second semifinals, so we don't have the countries that would vote for us in the, you know, regionally, regionally speaking, speaking. Like speaking. Croatia and Serbia. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting. It's a little scary, but... Um, and what I think is really interesting is that as far as I heard, all, all of the rest of the world countries are going to be grouped as one, you know? So it's really going to be interesting to see how the points get spread across. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So USA and Kazakhstan both for, <laughs> for us. Well, no, I love that. And honestly, I don't really think y'all have a lot to worry about. I mean, I think you got a whole bunch of people rooting for you. I'm one of them. So yeah, thank you so much for taking the time and speaking with me today. Thank you. Thank you are you're actually one of the first reactions, if not the first, that we watched of our song. <laughs> uh, and we were all very happy with it. So thank you a lot. Yeah, thank well, you so no. much. No, thank you.